Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. So there. What's keeping your company's tax office awake at night? Well, let's look at a buzz quote. I found something from KPNG.com. They say tax technology is emerging as one of the most important enablers of effective tax department design and delivery. Just let that sink in. We've got one word that jumps out from that quote, tax, T-A-X. That keeps everybody awake at night at least once a year. If you're a big company, it could be four or more times a year. So what exactly is on the mind of the people in your tax office? Well, it could be global and U.S. tax reform. It's always looming and lurking, especially now. It could be transfer pricing regulation changes. It might be reinvigorated tariff regimes. No, we're not going to get political today. It could be changes in VAT and GST regular regulatory reporting requirements. All of these require a deeper digital tax management proficiency than ever before. Your CFO, your finance team, are they up to the task? Do they understand digital? Do they have the tools? So the question is, how can they get a full night's rest again? Oh, if only. Your tax office needs to catch up on the key technology. So we're going to be talking a little bit about machine learning and intelligent reporting tools, and they need to do it now. I have a great panel of three experts who are going to help us figure this all out. Let me tell you briefly who they are, and then we'll get started. In just a moment, it will be my pleasure to introduce Chris Carlstead. If you want to look him up, C-A-R-L-S-T-E-A-D, Carlstead. He's a managing director of the Indirect and Property Tax Business for Thomson Reuters. Welcome to Chris. Joining him, and by the way, all three panelists are new to Game Changers. Joining him is Jan de Klerk. I'll spell the last name D-E. C-L-E-R-C-Q. He is a Deloitte tax partner based in the Netherlands. So welcome to Jan. And rounding out the panel, another newcomer, Nick Goffey, G-O-F-F-I, a customer solutions director at SAP. Welcome, gentlemen. Let's go with the opening quotes now. Chris has found us a quote. We've heard it recently, but nobody seems to know the origin of the quote. So I'm just going to give you some possible sources, and then I'll read the quote, and you're all going to go, aha. So one source is Davos this year, 23rd of January, said by Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau at the WEF, that's World Economic Forum. That's one candidate for the source of this. Another is Gordon Moore, the co-founder of Intel. Okay. And the third is Graham, G-R-A-E-M-E Wood, author and journalist who called this the change pace paradox. And here's the quote. You thought I'd never get to it. The pace of change has never been this fast, yet it will never be this slow again. Chris Carlstead, that's quite a teaser on the source list. How are you, Chris? I'm doing fantastic, Bonnie. Thank you for asking. Oh, I'm I'm so pleased to have you. I love the quote. And you know, Chris, somebody brought me that quote for a show a couple of months ago, and I don't remember seeing so many candidates or competitors for challengers for the source. So who do you think really said it? Any thoughts? You know, I, I don't know, but as they say, the, the best form of flattery is imitation, so maybe that's the case here. And, and you know, from my standpoint, it's, it's a quote that quite honestly affects, affects me every day, and I, I kind of live by it myself. But before I even go on, I just wanted to say thank you for the opportunity to be on Game Changers. This is quite a forum and, and much appreciated. 
Oh, you're very kind. It's our my pleasure. I It's my passion to speak with really smart people like you and Jan and Nick about topics that will impact the, the direction, uh, the future of business all over the world. And by the way, just a little sidebar, Chris, we had for all of our Game Changer shows, we had almost 100,000 listeners in June of 2018, a time when I thought most people would be off to the beach or somewhere, you know, and people are listening. And this series, Financial Excellence with Game Changers, has been with me for seven years, and it's one of our most popular series. So bravo for you and, and uh, Jan and Nick to be on the show, and thank you for your kind words. So the pace of change has never been this fast. It will never be this slow again. I do agree with what Graham Wood said. It's the change pace paradox because it's so contradictory. So let's tie this into our topic of tax. And officially, Chris, our topic today is tax, the new MVP in finance. So we've got a little sports flavor there. So go ahead, tie it together for me. Well, as, as some may know, I've, I've got three children and uh, they're in the ages of, of 10 to about 15 at the moment. And you know, the quote really rings true for me because as I look at them and I, as I kind of personify them into what that means for, for business and, and tax in particular, is that they, they have such a need for instant gratification their awareness is like no other in terms of just the world around them, tariffs or otherwise. And it just results in these unbelievable expectations that, that come from that. And as I look into the business world and think about how they are our future employees and they're our future consumers, those expectations will follow them. Of course, that's a continuum of expectation that's, that's been coming through. And that really reflects itself on tax as well, and that the pace of change and technology and what that means for companies and their need to be able to keep pace with that change, be able to keep pace with governments, be able to keep pace with regulations, and how technology has influenced that to this point has been at an incredible pace. And as we look forward, we should expect nothing less than for that pace to continue uh, and this quote to continue to um, represent the marketplace that we live in and the impact on tax for the foreseeable future. Thank you very much. Chris, when you you talk to people about tax, do they get all bottled up in a corner somewhere and say, no, no, not that? Is it something that the finance office has to find special people to recruit? You're going to be working in the tax part of our finance office in this big company. Is it something people say, yes, I love tax. I want to work on it. Or is it something you've got to really search to source the right people? Just a quick sidebar, if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. Well, absolutely. The people in tax will say they love tax. I mean, there are some real diehards that are that are way into reading code and regulations. Uh, but your point's very relevant. When you speak to people who aren't uh, in tax every day, they, they react somewhat the way, they, the way you would expect. And that creates an interesting uh, paradox, if you will, within the company itself. It's quite common that when you speak to tax outside of the tax department, the CFO, the C-suite in general, um, or even just your uh, operational folks or salespeople, they don't want anything to do with it. They, they, oh, that's the tax department. They'll deal with it. But the way the world is working and the way technology is bringing everyone together, you really can't escape it. Uh, and the image, if you will, of tax and the importance of it to businesses and managing tax, it's, it's never been as important as it is today. 
Thank you very much, Chris. Great introduction to our topic. And we've got two panelists waiting patiently in the wings to come on. So next, let's go to Jan de Klerk, a Deloitte tax partner. And of course, I have to do a shout out to Carla Neal and to Helen Thomas and Amanda Bush, three ladies who help shepherd wonderful thought leaders from Deloitte onto Game Changers. So thank you so much for supporting us. And Jan has sent us a quote from Alan Kay. Alan Kay is still with us, born in 1940. I call that a young guy, excuse me, American computer scientist. He's been been elected a fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Science, the Sciences, the National Academy of Engineering. He's best known for his pioneering work on object-oriented programming and windowing graphical user interface. That's GUI GUI design. Um, let's see. He is, interestingly enough, as for a tech guy, I don't know if you know this, Jan, but Alan Kay is a former professional jazz guitarist, a composer, a theatrical designer, and an amateur classical pipe organist. So much for Renaissance man. Here is the quote, and this quote has been attributed to many other people, but the best source I found, the earliest, was not Drucker. It was Alan Kay in 1971. The best way to predict the future is to create it. Jan de Klerk, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Thanks, Bonnie. And again, someone like Chris, thank you for the opportunity to be on this uh, on this session. Have to You're be welcome. Here. You're welcome. So talk to me about this quote. We've heard it. It's often quoted as Drucker, and I do my homework. I use a website called Quote Investigator, and they are absolutely sure that the earliest was Alan Kay, so we're just going to go with that. So tell me, the best way to predict the future is to create it. When it comes to tax, that seems to me like a moving target. How can you predict it with any kind of assurity? Go ahead, John. Jan, relate it to our topic, please. Yeah, I think, it, and, and by the way, I think this quote is, is, is even more relevant than it was in the 70s when Alan was using it. Um, I think the philosopher in me would say um, predicting the future is, I think, is a bit arrogant because I don't think you can predict the future. Mm. Uh, love is too complex. Um, but what you could do is maybe try to create it and then you actually can predict what you created. But that's, I'm not a philosopher. I'm a tax technologist. I think um, you just indeed, became a philosopher. I think you just did. Very well done. <laughs> I like what you yeah. said. Please continue. Yeah. <laughs> I think most tax people are philosophers. But uh, anyhow, um, <laughs> I think it has never been a better time to create a future in a tax domain. We have these convergence of these different technologies, uh, machine learning, AI, blockchain, robotics, you just name it. And what we can do now is that we can start experimenting um, how we can use these technologies in the tax domain and really start making an impact that matters. And we can start influencing policies, the way that companies work, the way that the tax processes work. So I think it's, um, uh, I th- I think it's really a game changer, these new technologies. And if, we, if you look at the quote from Alan, he said, um, the best way to predict the future is to create it. And there was something coming after it and said, really smart people with reasonable funding can do just about anything that doesn't violate too many Newton's laws. Um, I think he was right, except I think that the time changed a bit about the reasonable funding. Uh, I think a lot of these technologies getting commoditized uh, and more accessible. So we're going to have a a bigger community that will be able to experiment. And I think that's probably also driving this this speed uh, that uh, that Chris was talking about, because much more people have access to these new technologies, more people invent new things, uh, and that's going to accelerate the whole thing. So I, I think that's the reason why this quote is so relevant. And I like to create things besides uh, uh, applying philosophy. So uh, that's a bit of background. 
Bonnie? Thank you so much. Very, very well done. And and quickly, your thoughts on what I asked Chris a few minutes ago. Are, are people coming out of the woodwork? Let's focus on the younger generations entering or recently in the workforce. Uh, we're talking about millennials who are now in their mid-30s, I understand. That's scary to a boomer like me. And Gen Z, are they running up to the Office of Finance and saying, hello, Mr. and Ms. CFO, I want to work on tax. Would you hire me, please? Is that happening? Uh, well, I think when uh, when I graduated, I wanted to tax law and uh, I wanted to tax and read all the all the law and do that stuff. But I think if we look at the millennials and the people now uh, getting in our domain, they they want to apply tax uh, and they don't want to read the law and all these books. They want to work on artificial intelligence and uh, robotics and all that stuff. So I think that's changing uh, the way it was almost 20 years ago. I'm getting older. <laughs> no, you're not. You're just, we're all getting better, not old like fine wine. Let's just leave that one on the table. Thank you, Jan. Pleasure to have you on. And now let's go to Nick Goffey. I can't believe I have all three newbies on the show today. This is wonderful. Nick at SAP. And Nick has sent us a quote from a TV show that was watched by 7.95 million viewers in its original airing. Guessing which show? It was The Office, season five. And the episode was the 20th episode in season five called New Boss. This is where Michael Scott, played, of course, by the talented and inimitable Steve Carell, is disturbed by the arrival of a new no-nonsense superior, Charles Minor, M-I-N-E-R, played by the wire star Idris Elba. And uh, it has to do with Michael trying to celebrate his 15th anniversary working at Dunder Mifflin. And if you want to know about it, if you were not one of the 7.5 million people who watched it, go look up the episode. It's got its own page on IMDb. DB. Here's the quote. Very interesting. Oh, okay. If we hire Cirque du Soleil as salaried employees, will that help us with year-end tax stuff? Question mark. Nick Goffey, welcome to Game Changers Radio. How are you today? I am fantastic, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? Oh, pleasure. I'm well. The three of you were so polite and so charming. Please stop. <laughs> You're take, derailing me here. Nick, I, I'm not a watcher of you or a fan. I was not one of the 7.95 million who saw this when it aired back in the day. Uh, it actually aired on, do you know the date? Do you happen to have it? I have it here. Ooh, I do not. I do not have the date, but I am a Office fanatic, as probably many, many more on via Netflix or however else you consume your your programming, and have probably watched the entire series three or four times. So, oh my goodness! Uh, well, it was actually the ninety second overall episode of the series in season five total, and it was on March nineteenth, two thousand nine. So it was a little over nine years ago. That's almost a decade, Nick. OMG. So I very seldom accept an opening quote from a panelist that is related to the topic specifically because we want it to be inspirational. But my feedback to you when you sent me the quote, Nick, was this is so funny. We have to allow it, even though it has the word tax in the quote. So would you please decode this and tell me what in the world this means? Go ahead, Nick. Absolutely, and I think it's relevant to what both Chris and Jan and, and yourself were talking about. I guess I guess you saved the best for last in the intros. I'm not trying to be pompous here, but <laughs> it's, it's going to tie into everything we've been talking about. So, you know, as a CPA and a, a tax guy at heart, right? I find myself in a social event, a party, uh, uh, an office water cooler chat, and how many times do, does anyone in tax get a question on? Well, if I do this, can I save money? Or uh, mm-hmm. what's, what's the magic or secret sauce to, to taxes, right? Taxes everywhere, yet no one really understand it 
understands it and takes a keen mind to really dig in and understand the nuances and the complexity therein, right? So it's really relevant today's today's corporate environment, right? Finance and accounting professionals are finding themselves in the same boat in the organization. Taxes everywhere in the news. Think about what's been going on. You mentioned it in your in your opening here, whether it was US tax reform late last year, whether it's globalization, the geopolitical climate, uh, anyone in the organization related to finance probably finds themselves being asked by their colleague, what's, what's the ramification of everything I'm hearing on the news? So it's everywhere. It's either on your TV or it's at the water cooler in your organization. Absolutely. Now, now you've got to help me with the visual here. I'm thinking Cirque du Soleil. Okay, I'm thinking yep. high wire trapeze. I'm thinking contortionist. I'm thinking phenomenal glitz and glitter and glamour and <gasps> really above. I went to see the, the there was a Broadway show produced by Cirque du Soleil and I was in New York a couple months ago and I saw it. Oh, it was oh, it was about a year ago. I saw it before I moved here to North Carolina and it was like sitting in your seat and craning your neck to look at the ceiling because the trapeze artists and the the weightlifters and the flying this is and the that's is. So when I see this quote, Nick. I'm I'm thinking, who's flying around Cirque du Soleil as salaried employees? What's the direct reference there? Can you help us with a little culture? Oh, I, Bonnie, I, I'm not sure if I can. You know, in, ter- in terms of <laughs> Cirque du Soleil's business model, uh, that might have to be for a separate Game Changers discussion. But, you know, what, what Michael's really trying to get at here is he's just asking, hey, if I'm going to do this really cool thing in the office, can I save money on my taxes? Just like, you know... Uh, someone comes up to me who's a friend or family and says, hey, I bought this house this year, or I, I engaged in this kind of transaction, how's that going to impact my tax? I really, I really wanted to highlight this quote to, to show viewers and, and listeners that tax is everywhere. We can't escape it, and the only way to deal with it effectively uh, in this changing regulatory environment is to, is to really adopt technology at, at a rapid pace, which I'm excited to get into as we, as we go through today's discussion. And just as a sidebar, if you, if you ask me a follow-up question, I guess I'm the resident millennial on the, on the show today, so happy to take all that heat or offer my perspective uh, uh, as needed. I'm, and I'm going to just say that reading the review I did when I found out about this episode, I think it has to do with something about the people he wanted to be at his 15th anniversary party that pretty much got squashed when the new boss put the kibosh on everything. And I understand they did have a party later, but I didn't watch it. So I'm just recounting what I read. Thank you very much, Nick. I have to say the three of you are very high energy and very smart, and we've had a good opening. But we have to get to our segment called What's in Your Cup Today? So I'm going to ask some very personal questions here. And I warned all of you on our prep call, Chris Carlstead at Thomson Reuters. I have three questions for you. Number one is, where are you in the world today? Number two, what's your favorite drink in the whole wide world that keeps you smiling, smart, and happy? And number three, in just 60 seconds, give us a little overview of what your role is at Thomson Reuters. Go ahead, Chris. Well, perfect. Thanks, Bonnie. I, I'm still wrestling over the fact that Nick called Jan and I old, but um, like you said, <laughs> I think we're... We're just improving. Is that right? We're getting. We're getting. Better. I said that. I said we're getting. You're getting. Well, I'm a. I'm the resident boomer on the call. So you know, don't even talk to me about that. Don't even. We're we're bookending this with generational cohorts. Let's just leave it there, Chris. So fantastic, where are you? Fantastic. Um, so you know, to to address your question. So first of all, I'm I'm in Chicago today, uh, which is a bit of a rarity for me uh, for what I do, and I'll get to that in a second. I I do quite a bit of travel. So while I reside in Chicago, to actually find myself here is in and of itself. Uh, unique. So um, that's that's where I sit today. 
Uh, in terms of what's in my uh, my drink or my or what's in my cup today, I am a uh, a daily Aventi Americano person. Mm. Uh, and since Nick went last, I'll, I'll I'll pick on him a little bit. He said a, a tax person is is keen, so occasionally. Um, I actually indulge in a, a bulletproof coffee. Have you ever heard of that, Bonnie? Of course, yes. That's uh, butter. It's oil. It's uh, yes, yes. There's a theory yes, about dieting exactly. and changing your lifestyle with yes, bulletproof coffee. I've, we've actually haven't heard that on the show in probably three years, I'm guessing. But we have had people. So, so what's the relationship between your venti americano and your and a uh, bulletproof coffee? So you need a means to deliver the bulletproof. Piece and, and occasionally ah. the bulletproof, the, as you mentioned, the butter and the and the oil. Uh, I do, really do recommend it occasionally. It's invigorating. Actually, brings your senses to a, an acuteness, uh, and I, I personally enjoy it quite a bit. And in terms of my my role, I, as you mentioned at the top of the show, I'm I'm the managing director at, at Thomson Reuters. Uh, and as far as what I do on a daily basis, I, I lead a business that ultimately uh, delivers our one source platform to help businesses uh, like we're addressing today get tax right, uh, kind of in their daily their daily lives. So, in a nutshell, that's me. Very nice. Thank you. And I did look up. I want to make sure I had the recipe right. Bulletproof coffee. Brew one cup, 8 to 12 ounces of coffee using filtered water with two and a half heaping teaspoons of freshly ground bulletproof coffee beans. Add one to two tablespoons of grass-fed unsalted butter or a grass-fed ghee. That's G-H-E-E. That's very important. It is. Each Instamix packet contains grass-fed butter and brain octane oil in powdered form. Let's leave it at there. Very interesting for body and mind performance. Thank you so much, Chris. Nice to meet you. Jan DeClerc, where in the world are you today? I have a little idea because we called you at a an interesting area code and tell us what you love to drink and what's your role at Deloitte. Please, Jan. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. And actually, I'm not in the Netherlands today. Um, oh. I'm, um, I didn't mention in the beginning, but I'm, I'm, I'm Belgian. Uh, so, but I, my, my work location is in Netherlands, and similar to Chris, I travel quite a lot around. So today I'm sitting in, in, in the most beautiful city in the world, which is a, a tiny city which, which is called Antwerp, uh, mm-hmm. the, the city of diamonds. Um, so that's where I am. Um, about uh, what I have in my cup, so I think if I'm Belgian, so most people would um, relate Belgians immediately with a beer. And I think we, in Belgium we got some pretty good beer. Um, but um, I'm, um, I'm trying to practice for some marathons. So um, ah. I have in my cup today just some regular plain water bunny. I know it sounds boring, but it's uh, to get ready for that marathon. And um, the role at Deloitte, um, so indeed I, I've been traveling around a bit. I, I've been grown up within our Belgian practice, moved to the U.S. for a while, and now in the Netherlands. And what I actually do is help companies to... Um, implement technologies to make their life easier on the tech side. So I do some uh, strategy around technology roadmaps, um, integrate different type of technologies within their accounting systems, uh, but also especially I like to create things and looking at these emerging technologies like blockchain, AI, etc. Um, so I like to make tax people happy. Uh, so that's uh, where I am, what I drink, which is water and uh, uh, what I actually do uh, within Deloitte. Thank you very much. There's nothing boring about water when it's for good health reasons. And you mentioned a marathon. You want to give us a peek into that when and where? What are you, what are you going to be running? Well, if you ask my wife, I've been training for this one almost 10 years. So I, I can't <sighs> try to do it this year again. So we'll do it uh, somewhere in Amsterdam where it's very flat. 
Thank you very much. Sounds interesting. And by the way, is the water, does it have a special flavor or a special electrolytes in it? Or is it cold or warm? Or give me a little detail uh, just to drop. Uh, <laughs> Bonnie, <laughs> I, I love the way that the Americans uh, indeed prepare the coffee uh, and, uh, and the way that you have all the places in water. Uh, we just have coffee, espresso, cappuccino, and regular coffee. That's it. And what the water concerns, it's just sparkling small bottle uh, uh, of water, so it's uh, it's very fresh and cool. Thank you very much. Sorry to p- push you for the details, but we love details here. We love to get <laughs> to know our panelists, and that brings me to Nick Goffey. Oh. Nick, no competition with you two very charming and interesting world traveling panelists, uh, co-panelists today. We'd love to know where are you today, Nick? And Nick, what do you love to drink? And what's your role as a customer solutions director at SAP? Go ahead. Absolutely, Bonnie, and and Jan. Just as a sidebar, I am a marathoner myself, uh, so we'll have to we'll have to chat a little bit after the Game Changers Radio today and compare notes. Um, I ran the Boston Marathon this year, and I, arguably some of the worst conditions in the marathon his, history. So uh, that's a whole other story. But um, today I'm in a much better place. I'm in beautiful Irvine, California, in our SAP office here. Um, based out of Los Angeles, so I'm usually on the road, but uh, today I find myself at home before a, a late-week road trip in the western U.S. Okay, and what and do you love to drink? What's in my cup? Well, Bonnie, this is, this is a new one for me. Um, mm-hmm. My wife and I are on a bit of a health kick, so I am actually drinking a homemade smoothie with, I, I'm not, I kid you not, oak, oat milk, uh, almonds, Blueberries, strawberries, a little superfood powder. It's actually pretty good, um, if you if you can believe that. But uh, yeah, so I wouldn't say it's my favorite drink. I probably agree more with Jan. I I'm not Belgian. I'm an American, but I love uh, IPAs. <laughs> that would be my uh-huh. my cup post business hours. But this this smoothie's pretty good. I gotta say, I I, I am I'm enjoying it. So uh, maybe this health kick is here to stay. Maybe it is. I just have to add a recipe here for oat milk, and then we want to find out what you do. Uh, soak the oats in water for 30 minutes. Drain the oats and wash them. Discard the water. Blend the oats with three to four cups of clean water. Strain the milk. That's, then it becomes oat milk using a cheesecloth, a strainer, a napkin, or a nut milk bag. And uh, you can use whole grain oats or steel-cut oats, and you can save the oats when you strain off the milk. You can save the oats for baking or just eat them Interesting. And there's an article in the New York Times this past January, um, Nick, that is called The Humble Ascent of Oat Milk. How about that? Very interesting. It is one of the fastest growing alternative dairy milks in the U.S. That's how I actually heard about it from that article. And um, I did not go through the arduous process of making my own oat milk. I actually just bought it from the store. But it's uh, pretty good. Uh, So your last question, what do I do at SAP? So I, as you stated, I'm a customer solutions director here. Really, I help small to medium-sized businesses embrace digital transformation and optimize their, their business process uh, through the use of technology. So I lead all S4 HANA pre-sales efforts for the mid-market here in mm-hmm. North America, specifically in the U.S. I also help with our SAP tax go-to-market. So I uh, help our product strategy, our solution strategy, and our sales strategy around our tax portfolio here at SAP. 
Thank you very much. Pleasure to meet all three of you. I'm almost tempted to skip the break, but I bet you all want to take a sip of something. So we're going to go out for just 90 seconds. And when we come back, Chris Carlstead, we're going to take a look at some of the notes you sent me before the show. And you and I will pick one for me to start the roundtable when we return. So to our listening audience all over the world. And again, this is our number three consistently most popular series out of 37 Game Changers radio series. I kid you not. And that's not a taxing thing to say, but today we're talking about tax, the new MVP in finance. We've got to get a little sports theme going here. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill by now. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Isn't it time for you to transform your finance organization? SAP is leading the way with groundbreaking technology to help finance professionals transform finance. S4 HANA, powered by SAP, is a part of SAP S4 HANA, the next generation business suite. SAP S4 HANA Finance draws upon innovative in-memory mobile and cloud technologies to deliver one common secure view of all your information across finance. This gives you instant insight to drive enterprise-wide strategic value. Learn more about SAP S4 HANA Finance at SAP.com. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments, questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to financial excellence with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. We're back talking about a fascinating topic, one that's a little bit of an ouch for a lot of people. Tax, the new MVP in finance. A lot of good messaging here. I have three experts on with me. We have Carl, I'm sorry, Chris Carlstead at Thomson Reuters. We have Jan de Klerk at Deloitte, and he's in Antwerp, Belgium today, and Nick Goffey at SAP. Welcome back to our panelists. And Chris Carlstead is going to start off the roundtable. Here's what he told me. And this may be a shocker to all of you. I'll read the statement and then Chris will expound on it for a couple minutes. Then we'll invite Jan and Nick to add their comments. So he says taxes are often viewed as something a company has little control over. The interesting juxtaposition of companies and governments regarding tax, get ready for this, is that governments are setting the trend and pace of adopting technology. I'm fascinated. Chris, tell us more, please. 
Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. And actually, I'm looking forward to my fellow um, panelists here uh, give me some feedback as well, because I think it's a, an incredible, interesting moment uh, that we're experiencing in our, in our little domain of tax. And it, it simply is that over historical times, tax has been perceived as something that's, that's done to you and that it's an obligation and you go about your business or you go about your life as a consumer and your income and you just pay a tax that at the end of that period of time, you just owe it. It is what it is. And there's not anything that you can do about it. And while that's always been no further from the truth, I think in current times, it's never been re- perceived as an opportunity like it is today. And, and what I really mean by that is that because of governments looking further into tax technology and the reason that they are, quite honestly, is that there's a lot of taxes out there to be collected. Uh, There are many statistics, but one that I'll throw out there in in Europe in particular is that there is a, uh, many numbers that come around, but the one I most often hear is that there is a VAT gap or value-added tax gap, which is the taxing system in Europe, of up to, if not more, of $150 billion a year that go uncollected by governments. Hmm. And so governments, as you might imagine, uh, given all the different austerity measures, especially in Europe over the past decade or so, in general with the growing costs of just maintaining your infrastructure, they're very keen to collect that tax and find new ways to ensure that that gets into their coffers. And technology is absolutely the driving force behind their their uh, means of operation. So what does that really mean for the tax department? Well, historically, as I mentioned, a lot of folks didn't spend a lot of investment or dollars in technology investment within that tax department for the reasons I stated. But now that same technology that governments are looking to secure is equally um, available to consumers and to businesses alike. And it really is putting the tax department in a position to lead as well and be ready for that moment when the governments um, do that juxtaposition. And there has never been a better time either. You've got tax reform in the U.S. at the federal level. You've got countries like India introducing GST a year ago. The uh, GCC or the Gulf Coast Cooperation in the Middle East is introducing VAT for the first time ever. Brazil changes their tax rules, it seems like, on a daily basis. And while that's difficult to keep pace with, it's also incredible opportunity to introduce technology to be able to keep pace with that change, but then also to lever and use those tax rules to the corporation's advantage as well. The quicker you're able to comply with governments, the quicker you're able to respond to those changes, the better you can actually engage in relationships with your suppliers because you're getting tax right for them as well when you do an invoice to them. And also with your governments, ultimately, and this is the real um, juxtaposition in terms of what's possible, tax can actually affect or impact positively the top line by actually creating a more efficient sales transaction by getting tax right. And by doing that, they actually can drive profits um, for their businesses and become more efficient when they ultimately collect and remit those, those taxes. So with all this opportunity around us and with all the advancing technology, I think we're on the cusp of some pretty revolutionary change and some pretty exciting times ahead for the tax department. Wow. I, I don't know whether that was breaking news or not. Taxes can drive the top line and, and help with profits. That's interesting. Thank you. Jan DeClerc at Deloitte, I'd love to have your thoughts on the interesting comments Chris Carlstad just shared with us. Jan, go ahead. 
Yeah, thanks, Bunny. And, and Chris, yeah, I think that indeed the biggest thing in Europe is the 150 billion, uh, the VT gap, um, which, by the way, is about 12% of the expected revenue. So this is a big number. And, uh, and about 50 billion of that is, uh, is related to cross-border fraud. Um, and what we actually see is that, um, and Chris already has been alluding to it a bit, uh, but what we see is that in order to resolve that gap, that the government starts to implement uh, new ways to collect that tax. And, um, and then if you look at the breakdown, by the way, I just looked at a report from 2017 from the commission. You simply can download it uh, from the web. But then if you look at where that gap sits within Europe, and then if you just look at Italy, Italy has around 35 billion of the 150 billion. So what you then actually see within Europe is that the, the, that the countries that are um, contributing the biggest parts of that gap are implementing some sincere measures like real-time reporting, which we may discuss later on as well. So Chris, indeed, I think from a regulatory perspective, a lot of things are happening. And if you get it right, you can contribute to the, uh, to the top line. Uh, otherwise, it can uh, also hit yourself. I think that's on the regulatory side. I think the other one has uh, tax has little control over. Uh, I think it's also that tax is not all sitting within the tax department. Um, sometimes we call the hidden tax function is sitting within procurement and sales. They're also making tax decisions. So that's, I think, also a, a, quick, a quick sidestep where you want to look at. But uh, yeah, I fully agree with Chris. There is a lot of opportunity, but also a lot of risk uh, that looks uh, ahead of us. Thank you very much, Jan. Love to get Nick Goffey's thoughts on this. Nick, join the party, please. <laughs> Would love to offer some, Bonnie. Thank you, Chris, and thank you, Jan. I want to focus on two statements that, that Chris and Jan focused on. First, tax is a profit center or tax uh, contributing to top line growth. You know, it, it sounds like a new concept, but some of the most successful companies in the world have been focused on this for quite some time, right? So take out all the recent news about tax. I'm just going to focus on one thing. Uh, U.S. tax reform that was occurring late last year and has been enacted and everyone's scrambling to figure out and continue to figure out, right? Uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, Apple is going to save $47 billion, mainly due to its tax liabilities related to its overseas cash reserve, dropping to $29.3 billion. That's a staggering number that can, I mean, really drive growth and efficiency and and profit margin for organizations. So obviously technology is definitely going to help tax uh, comply with regulation, but shifting tax from what I'd call a cost center in an organization to a profit center Wow, what, what a great concept, and, and a concept that many organizations, uh, successful organizations, have adopted already. Uh, the other topic I wanted to focus on was, was governments uh, you know, use, utilizing technology to collect their fair share. That $150 billion VAT gap, that's, that's a staggering number. Um, you think about how much, uh, Jan referred to how much that represents of of revenue or, or, or total revenue in that region, 12, I think it was 12% or so. Wow. I mean, Indeed. worldwide governments are continuing to, to get uh, you know, keen to collect on, on their fair share of tax, whether it's this VAT gap, whether it's transfer pricing regulation that's, that's enacted. This is going to continue to happen, and organizations who are going to be at the forefront uh, of leading change in, in the business world are going to have to be able to be nimble to react to these changes and utilize you know, cutting-edge technology to really, to really comply with these regulations as well. 
Thank you very much. Love the energy on this topic. I'm I'm thrilled. I had a, a friend in New York. I left New York 10 months ago to move here to Durham. I think I mentioned that. A, a dear friend who was an accountant, he was directing my, my local cable access TV show for many years, and I invited him on one of my new radio shows. And I said, uh, could you come and tell a few jokes at the beginning of the radio show just to help me warm up the audience, the listeners? And he said, I'm an accountant. I don't say anything funny. <laughs> it was just... He brought some really terrible CPA jokes, but what can I tell you? He tried to be charming. Anyway, thank you so much. I'm going around the table here. I'm looking at Jan de Klerk's notes here from Deloitte, and here's something very interesting uh, on the theme of new technology, Jan. I'd love to talk about this. You say, real-time reporting means first-time right when making tax decisions. The old and current model, and I'm intrigued that you said current, companies can still correct the data before it is submitted to the tax authority. So where are we? Are we at the old? Are we at the current? Are we at the new? Where does real time come on the continuum of improvements in tax technology? Jan? Yeah, I think uh, where are we? We're everywhere. And uh, similar like tax is everywhere. Um, But if you look at the old world, um, the way that tax worked was that uh, we have these monthly, quarterly closings. Uh, that means that you actually extract data from your systems and then you 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 put them on uh, you, you put them on spreadsheets and then uh, submit those returns to the authorities. So in the old and also in some jurisdictions, the current world, you still have ways that you can um, well manipulate might be the wrong word, but still work on the data before you submit it to the authorities. Now the governments they they, they want to collect these taxes, they want to collect cash, and and they need it. Um, and what they actually are implementing across the globe, uh, and Brazil was first, China was doing it, uh, we see it now happening in Europe as well, in Italy and elsewhere, is that this monthly closing or quarterly closing is actually disappearing. So what's happening is that when you mm. issue an invoice, when you sell something, you immediately have to communicate towards the authorities what the VET, value-added tax, is that you're actually charging. So that means that um, the tax authorities have immediate visibility how much tax that you are collecting from your customers mm-hmm. and how much tax that someone can recover. What you obviously want to do is, when you report this tax towards the authorities, you no longer have time to manipulate and work on the data before the monthly closing. You actually have to get it right at once. So that means it's, it's turning our whole tax operational process uh, upside down uh, with this uh, real-time reporting. I know it's uh, for, for North America, it's fairly new, uh, but we see this coming up everywhere. So for those who have, for those CFOs that have overseas operations or tax directors, watch out. This is one of the biggest trends that uh, may have a, a fairly big significant impact. And by the way, if you're not ready for doing all this real-time reporting, communicate to the authorities, it's even more disruptive because you might not even be able to issue sales invoices anymore. So it goes beyond tax. So tax is, uh, is being, becoming a, a, a hotter and hotter topic. So that's what uh, this whole real-time reporting is about. Very so, uh, interesting. It's, it's current, but uh, it's also the future. Got it. Okay, and we might have to touch on that when we get to our crystal ball predictions round in about eight minutes. Let's get Nick Goffey to chime in on this. Nick, agree, disagree, lover, not so much loving what Jan has just shared with us. Uh, as a fellow marathoner, I got to love everything Jan says. So, uh, yeah, I absolutely <laughs> do agree with him. I think, I, I think his, his point is, is very well taken. I, I just want to take you back about 10 years when I actually started my career at Deloitte, uh, Jan's uh, current firm, right, about 10 years ago. And when I started my career in tax at Deloitte, 
I was still printing thousands of pages of client documents, paper pages, uh, stapling them to legal paper, and color coding my review notes based on industry standards. Okay, so mm. that was, this was not 20 years ago, this was 10 years ago, 2008, right? Shift the focus to today. When Jan is saying that governments are expecting a business to communicate the correct tax charged in real time, there's no legal paper. There's no, you know, color coding of, of a document on a monthly basis or, or monthly or weekly or quarterly review. This is real time. And the only way that's been possible is with the expansion of technology and, and um, really, I mean, I mean, just the, the overwhelming uh, need for governments to collect cash and uh, fund, fund their operations. So I think we're living in a world where this is going to continue and, and continue to permeate, uh, especially in different areas of the, uh, of the world where it hasn't caught on so much yet. And companies are going to have to have to adopt technology at a rapid pace in order to keep up. I really think gone are the days of legal paper and color-coded review and the days of real-time reporting, as Jan stated, are here to stay. Thank you very much. Love to get Chris Carlstead's thoughts on this. Chris, join us. What do you think? Well, I appreciate it. Well, I, I wish we could be like one of those political shows where I could just argue the opposite <laughs> side of the, the position. You can. Uh, unfortunately, you can. I will have to fall in line here. Oh, uh, no. And, and agree. I know. I know. I, but they're, they're spot on. So maybe I can just add a little color and, and context Please. with a, a slightly different flair. So uh, to Nick's point on the printing, it's, a, it's a, actually a, a pretty interesting um, uh, point of view in reality and, and kind of goes to the whole pace of change thing. But if you look at Italy that Jan brought up earlier, and I, I don't have the exact dates, but it's, it's within the last five or so years, Italy uh, for a long time uh, required a printed invoice to be able to prove to the government what tax they owed. A digital invoice or electronic, was illegal. It was not allowed. Move that to today, a printed invoice is now illegal, and only a digital invoice is accepted. And that's within a five to ten year period, that complete flip-flop um, by a government uh, saying that one thing was illegal and now it's perfectly perfectly legal. And that, that I think, represents very nicely the same experience that Nick just shared. And, and also just building on Jan's point, I don't know what the timing will be, and I think we'll maybe get to our crystal ball comments here in a little bit, but it is inevitable, in my opinion, that we will move from a collect and submit environment to governments pulling taxes, where it's not even a submission process, where the government has got their hands on the transaction itself, and they're collecting real tax, or tax real time, uh, without the facilitation by the businesses, which is a completely paradigm shift from where we are today, where you, at least as a, as a taxpayer, have the opportunity to pay what you want based on your calculations. I think that'll flip on its head and, and we'll move into more of a defensive or reverse audit, if you will, of the government trying to get our money back. 
Thank you very much. Interesting topic all around, and we just have time to squeak in one more, but there's something very controversial here, Nick Goffey, in your list that we have to bring up. I talk very often on these shows. We talk about machine learning and predictive and artificial intelligence and Internet of Things, all the wonderful, exciting technologies. We talk about the fear among many segments of the workforce that automation, robots, assistants, digital assistants will replace humans. And so you have a, you know where I'm going with this, you have a very controversial statement and here you say, even if technology adoption is going to increase in tax, the tax professional will not become extinct. I got to have you explain that one briefly, and then we'll go around for our predictions. So, Nick Coffey, talk to me. Absolutely, Bonnie. I'm, I'm happy to play buzzword bingo with you for, for a couple <laughs> minutes here uh, before we go into the crystal ball predictions. So uh, earlier in the show, you, you asked, are millennials really interested in tax? And, and Jan offered an, an interesting view, and I, I think he's pretty qualified to, given the, the number of, of millennials that would work at a, a firm like Deloitte. Um, I, think, I think millennials, uh, as a member of that generation, are, are excited about uh, change, excited about technology, uh, and excited about learning new things and, and kind of always being always being challenged to change. So how does that lead to the extinction question? Well, mm-hmm. just because regulation is increasing and technology is increasing at an exponential rate, and to Chris's point, we might be moving from a, you know, a submittal process to a, a, a poll process from government uh, agencies for, to businesses, the, the tax professional can't go extinct. Tax is one of the least black and white concepts in, in modern finance. I, I like to say that tax lives within the gray, which means that professionals have to interpret law and apply it to a set of facts and circumstances to come up with an educated position. It, it's one thing to say, hey, on this transaction, you know, it's this type of transaction, uh, it's in this jurisdiction, so we charge X rate. It's another thing to say, I'm structuring a new business. I'm selling these products or services. I'd like to engage with these customers in these geographies of the world. Explain to me how I could set up a tax-efficient supply chain and operation. That will most likely be where the tax professional lives in the future, rather than where I lived when I started my career, which was printing a bunch of paper, stapling it to legal, legal pads, and, and marketing up with colored pencils. Thank you very much. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I, I'm going to make a prediction just as we're about to start. And Chris Carlstead, I'm going to you first. I'm going to predict that you three are going to be invited back for part two of this topic. I'm not oh. telling you yet when or where. I have to check the schedule. But I'm not letting you get too far away. I, I've, I've never heard such energy on a topic of tax before. And I think it's very refreshing and very insightful. So let's circle around the table to Chris Carlstead at Thomson Reuters. Chris, I'm going to give you 60 seconds. You might take a couple more if you need to but look into the crystal ball and tell me do you want to go out predicting to 2020 which is just around the corner you want to go to 2025 or 2030 and what will change about this topic we never did really relate it to sports although we've got two marathoners on the panel topic is tax the new mvp most valuable player in finance where will we be chris carlstead 60 seconds all yours Perfect. Thank you. Well, I think by the very nature of the topic, the MVP in finance, it's hard to stay on top for for many years in a row. So I I Mm -hmm. don't think we'll be able to repeat this topic. But I do think probably within the next five or five plus years, uh, we could run a topic that talks about governments and the quotes would be prove you don't owe us the tax. I think Mm. that's where we're going. 
And I think that that's a topic that will be very interesting at the time because in order for that to have happened, then the technologies that are nascent today, like blockchain and machine learning, will have really advanced. And some of the challenges that we face with blockchain in terms of how will that work with governments and businesses, and will we be on one block or two blocks or what chain and who owns the rights, I think those questions will have to be answered. Uh, But governments and large corporations are absolutely looking into what that means for them. And I, I predict that we'll find ourselves in that position where governments are pulling tax. Thank you. And by the way, I was thinking of getting the three of you back on another show on our flagship series in October. Would it be already changed by then or just just a couple weeks off? What do you think? Can we stick with the same topic part two or you want to retool it? Chris? Oh, I, th- I think we'll know more in, in a couple of weeks on this topic. I don't think it's good quite yet. Okay, good. Thank you all. Deep breath here. Let's go to Jan de Klerk at Deloitte calling in from Antwerp, Belgium. And Jan, I can give you 60 seconds for your prediction. Go ahead. Yeah, I think, um, and again, uh, to quote Alan, predicting is something I may not have to do, but maybe what, uh, what we should do is create a future. But um, I think in the next two years, um, I think it's going to be a big regulatory shift, uh, a link back to that VT gap that we just discussed. So I think there's going to be a lot of uncertainty in the next two years about uh, new regulations popping up everywhere. I would recommend for those who want to monitor what's going to happen, look at these countries that need the cash, and that's where things will happen. Um, and I think in about two to five years, uh, things will stabilize. Um, periodic reporting, indeed, will disappear, like uh, Chris said. It's going to be the government's going to say what you owe them. Uh, blockchain will combat fraud, and people's going to have much more fun because I think the um, to next point, um, we're going to have uh, AI robots, etc., that will do most of our operational work. And we and, and our millennials, they don't want to operate things; they want to add value and be strategists and catalysts. So that combination of robots. Um, and race with the machine, like uh, Bjorn uh, uh, sometimes has, sometimes says that that's going to happen. So I think we're going to have uh, adding much more value to the organization as tax people in the coming years. Thank you very much. And I save 60 seconds for Mr. Nick Goffey. Nick, go ahead. All yours. Th- thanks, Bonnie. I-, I guess I might take a different position here than, than Jan and Chris. Um, I'm, not as, I'm not as bullish on... You know, you know, the adoption of technology this quickly. So if I'm looking at 2020, I guess I'm a little jaded. I think tax professionals are still going to lag behind in adoption. I mean, you look at the regulatory environment. Yes, we've seen tons of sweeping change. However, you know, we saw the first sweeping change in federal <clears throat> regulation here in the U.S. in over 30 years. So something, while some things change quickly, other things take a long time to sh- shift. So... Uh, the, the point by Jan of uncertainty, that, that makes me think that we'll, we'll just see a, a couple more years of doing nothing and tax professionals continuing to, to lag behind their other cohorts in finance. In, in the greater finance organization, professionals are already using AI and machine learning for things like res- remittance advice uh, matching and we're using it in HR for applicant tracking and machine learning for uh, you know, predicting and or recommending candidates for certain job recs. I, I think tax professionals are, are still well behind in that adoption of those buzzword bingo technologies. And I, 
I think we're going to be talking about this most likely in two years. Now, in terms of the... Nick, 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 save it, save it. you got to save it. We're out of time. No, that's okay. Okay, Save it. You're wonderful. You're on a roll. Save it for the next time because you are all going to come back. I want to thank so much Chris Carlstad at Thomson Reuters, Jan DeClerc at Deloitte, and all of your good people at Deloitte, and Nick Goffey at SAP, and a special shout-out to Birgit Starmans at SAP. Birgit, over the top with this one. What a great panel, great topic. Thank you so much, and you did it in advance. You know what I'm talking about. Thank you to Chris Grundy at SAP for sponsoring this very, very winning series. Aaron and the Business Channel team, I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Chris Carlstead, just like Jan DeClerc, and just like Nick Goffey. Talk to you tomorrow on Coffee Break with Game Changers, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Business Channel. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel. Wishing you a game-changing week.